This bonus episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. For $20 off your order, go to awaytravel.com fool and use the promo code fool. That's awaytravel.com fool, promo code fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and this is a bonus episode from our time at South by Southwest. While I was in Austin, I got to sit down with George Hotz, who started Kama AI, a self-driving car tech company. One of the reasons I was really eager to chat with George is that Kama AI is tackling self-driving tech from a slightly different angle than a lot of the competitors, aiming to offer kits that allow older cars to incorporate self-driving tech. His company has also opted for an open source platform, kind of choosing to double down on software and ditch original plans to sell hardware to consumers. Uh, this is kind of the product of some chats with regulators that happened in 2016. In Austin, George and I talked about the self-driving car space and Kama AI's plans to become the android of autonomous driving. Personally, I love the decision that you guys made to go kit with your approach. Yeah. You know, we've seen, and a part of this is big tech firms have the resources to create hardware that is bespoke. But really what you guys do and, and what you pioneered was the idea of making it something you can throw on almost any car out there. And that solves a huge problem in my eyes, where even when you have fully autonomous vehicles that are ready to go, you're still going to have all these legacy vehicles, tens of millions of them out on the roads. So what pushed you guys in that direction? I mean, so even when you have fully autonomous vehicles ready to go, you won't have that for a long time. And it's unclear if you'll ever even if it'll ever even be sold to people. Um, it's always here's the thing. The far future is always crazier than you could imagine, but the near future is always more boring, right? The truth is, in five years, people are going to be buying cars in a very similar way to the way they're buying cars today. You mean cars that look like cars on lots now? Oh, they, they look like cars on lots now, and it'll be the same sort of model, right? Like, the model's not going away in five years. Some cities might have fairly sophisticated ride-sharing networks, but the majority of cars... You know what the most popular cars in America are? Toyota Camry? No. It's a Ford F-150 and the Chevy Silverado. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. A lot of people who live in these uh, left-leaning enclaves think that, oh, yeah, of course, it's a Ford or a sedan, right? Um, but no, it's, it's, it's pickup trucks, right? So most cars in five years will continue to be sold in the exact same way cars are sold today. And then there's places outside America, too, right? So there's a massive market here. And all these people who are focusing on these, like, oh, we'll have 100 cars in a pilot ride-sharing program in this city where only rich people live. You're missing. You're missing really what mobility is. So you think a lot of efforts right now are focused on kind of niche markets and that kind of slowly uh, the technology is going to roll out to a larger market, but really like we're missing the mark with where most people are using mo mobility right now? Well, I think a lot of people are blinded. You know, if you grew up in uh, the South Bay and then you went to Stanford and then you have certain preconceptions about what mobility is, right? I drove across the country eight times. I've owned five cars. I love driving, right? And, well, what it actually is, mobility on the ground, is people buying and driving cars. How do we make that experience better? Stop trying to cut the people out. Stop trying to, uh, you know, replace mobility and wipe it away and, and do this. We have this fully level four autonomous driving network. Hey, you have the, the Mercedes Vision van. It delivers your packages via vans and drones. And This isn't what it is. It's kids getting a, you know, a three-year-old pickup truck for their for their 17th birthday, right? Was that your first car? No, nah, I don't pick up truck. I had a 3000 GT. Uh, I was um, driving a 92 Mercury Sable station wagon. Yeah, so. right? See, this is this is what it was. This is what we had growing up, right? That's the reality of things. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, before we get too far into it, do you want to talk a little bit about where your company, Kama AI, is now and, and what the focus is with autonomous driving, what you guys are really pushing? Um, so in our talk, we talked about the Kama AI master plan. It's three steps. Uh, get the data, own the network, be rich. <laughs> um, so what we're pushing is we, well, we have a dash cam app. Uh, we have a dash cam app. It's for iOS and Android. You can download it today. It's called Schiffer. Um, and what we announced at the South By is some hardware that works with the Dashcam app. Now, the hardware, it's, it's, it's read-only. It doesn't write to your car. It just reads the sensors off of your car, and it will give you access to, like, all four-wheel speed sensors and the steering angle and all these sensors that you didn't even know your car had. You'll be able to get access to them and... Uh, so people's cars are probably a lot smarter than they reason. People's cars have a lot more sensors in them than they think, yeah. I mean, if you want to uh, do traction control, which I think is mandated in this country now, uh, you need sensors on all four wheels. Um, I know that you have a slightly different definition of the levels of autonomy yeah. than maybe most people do. Um, do you want to talk about some of the differences there? Well, I don't really understand what the other uh, definition is. They don't really like make sense. They clearly were just thought up by people in a room not people actually working on this technology. Um, so you have level zero, no autonomy. Level one is what you see from most of the manufacturers today. Adaptive cruise control, AEB, maybe some LKA, but like nothing that can drive for more than a mile without a user touching something. Then you have these level two systems. Our open pilot, Tesla's autopilot, um, and everyone's. Google's, Uber's, uh, Drive.ai's, they're all, they're all level two. They all have a person in there monitoring the car at all times, and the person is liable for what the car does, right? Um, so the only difference between level two and level four is how many disengagement events you have, or level two or level three, right? Like, how often does the human need to intervene? A lot of these companies are clustered around the, like, once per 10 mile mark. That's where we are. Google is about 100x better. They've had a little bit of a head start on yes, some of this stuff, have. right? Yes, they have. Um, Google, Google is about 100x better. Um, and then humans are about 100x better than Google. So just to, just to put things in perspective. Um, but yeah, so once you get past level two, the only question is liability. Uh, level zero through two, the driver is liable at all times. Level three, the driver is liable sometimes, but sometimes the car says you're in a, you know autonomy zone. This highway, you don't have to pay attention. Feel free to take a nap. We can statistically show that the system can drive the car safer than your average human on this road. And once you can show that, yeah, the driver doesn't have to pay attention anymore. But like I said, we're still a long way from that. When you talk about that next level, yeah. it seems like because liability is involved, that's a huge leap, even if the tech is there. No, I mean, it's not actually. Um, you know, the people tend to think of things in terms of breakthroughs. Uh, people always think of AI in terms of breakthroughs or self-driving cars. It's not breakthroughs. It's all a very slow, linear progression, and progress marches on. Um, these systems will get better and better and better. And once you get to a point that it's actually safer than humans. It actually causes less crashes and less deaths than humans. And you can show this statistically beyond a reasonable doubt. You take that to any insurance company and they'll be like, of course we'll insure it, right? We've talked with insurance companies. They're actually surprisingly very reasonable. I mean, they're kind of like the house, you know, when you're gambling. Like, they're the house. They're the, they're the casino. They're taking the bet. Um, and they make sure the odds are always in their favor, which is fine. I mean, insurance is a lot more reasonable than real gambling. But... Um, yeah, so uh, to get to that, once you have the tech, proving it is easy. If you have the tech, you're also going to have the big data to prove it. Mm. Um, something that I think also plays into this you know, runway of development 
is the regulatory side of things. And I, I know this is something that you are very familiar with in kind of your inter- your exchanges with the National Highway uh, Safety Administration. Yeah, I mean, no, the, the regulators, uh, that's played up. That's a big story in the, in the media. The media loves to go off on these, all the feuds with the regulators and the regulators. It's not that big of a deal. Did you find that um, kind of making that departure and deciding not to directly sell via Comet yeah. AI and instead making your software and your hardware available for people that wanted to create these kits. Um, did you feel like that was something that stunted you guys or was it kind of liberating to say, you know, we're going to put this out there and make it available? So, I mean, we considered it before. It was just a simple, like, sort of cost question. Uh, we said, okay, we wanted to sell a thousand comma ones was our target. Um, if we sold a thousand, we'd make... You know, X hundreds of thousands of dollars, and um, the economics just didn't work out, mm-hmm. right? Every time you send a letter to a government agency, you need to pay lawyers like twenty grand, realistically, right? So if it's going to be ten letters back and forth, that's two hundred grand spent in just lawyer fees, working with the regulators. Never mind the in-house costs. So the economics didn't make sense at a scale of like a thousand. Uh, so we're just like, okay, what do we do? Let's open source it. Let's get a thousand out there, kind of the free zone, comma. And then if we do come back and revisit hardware, let's make sure we're doing it in quantities of 10,000 or 100,000, where suddenly 200K on lawyers is fine. Yeah, the scale starts to make a little bit the more sense. The scale starts to make more sense. Right? And people, you know, they, oh, they blow it up. The, the media blows it up, and you get these ridiculous like, failure of George Hotz on the comma one. Yeah, all right, all right. So <laughs> enjoy, m- enjoy your headlines while they last. More just minor pivot, it seems. Yeah, it's, it's, um, and it's barely even a pivot. Like, the plan was always to, the data and the network is kind of where the value is. We've been talking forever about being the Android of self-driving cars, right? Now, whether we actually sell the hardware and manage it or whether... Um, third parties do it, and we're probably even more Android-y. Right, you go back to TechCrunch when I announced the Comma 1. I talked Android of self-driving cars, right? Mm-hmm. You really want to be Android, give the operating system away. Well, that was the first half of our chat, but we also got into what winning self-driving cars looks like and what folks should watch out for in the future. We're going to get back to that in a second. Just going to take a little break to thank our supporter, Away. Away makes affordable, high-quality suitcases that charge your phone and start at just $225. By cutting out the middleman, Away is able to offer the perfect luggage made of high-quality materials at a much lower price, especially when you compare it to similar-quality luxury competitors. Mm-hmm. The luggage comes in a variety of sizes and colors, and they all cost less than 300 bucks. Two USB ports and a high-capacity battery allow you to charge multiple devices on the go. Think phones, tablets, laptops, you name it. So you never have to worry about a dead phone or a fight for an outlet at the airport. Their luggage also comes with a lifetime warranty anything breaks away will fix or replace it for life they have a risk-free 100-day trial period if at any point you decide it's not for you you can return it for a full refund no questions asked i got to try out the away luggage on my flight to south by southwest and i think dan boyd was pretty happy that i had it with me it's true uh i could because i used it to charge my phone which was almost dead when we were stuck in st louis for a little bit i was actually kind of a little bit jealous about uh how away gave you and chris some luggage to test uh, I couldn't use it because I have a bunch of equipment, like recording equipment, cameras, lenses, all sorts of stuff that I had to bring that I have special bags for. But the way bags are pretty slick looking, and it's cool to be able to charge your stuff on the go. Yeah, uh, I'm glad it worked out for you. It made that layover a lot easier. And I will say, I think you were not the only one that was jealous at the office that we had it. When we got them, 
you know, when they were delivered to the office before we went to South by Southwest, a lot of people at the office were stopping by and checking them out, like unzipping them, kind of kicking the tires and checking them out. Uh, I think there might be a lot of away fans at the Fool already. Yeah, that whole trifold thing in the middle is pretty cool, too. You can fit a lot of stuff in them. I have a week's worth of stuff in a carry-on bag, which is pretty awesome. Can't beat that, man. Can't beat it. Um, so, listeners, if you're interested in trying out Away, you can get free shipping anywhere in the continental United States. Away has a special offer for our dozens of listeners as well. You can get $20 off when you go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use the promo code fool at checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash fool, promo code fool. So the vision for you guys is get the hardware into as many people's cars as possible yeah. and then let the software take over. I always talk about winning self-driving cars, but maybe I don't define exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's two components to it. One, and I talk about this a lot, our mission is to build the world's first superhuman driving agent. Mm-hmm. So to build software that is capable of driving better than a human. We are a long way from that. We are, well... If we're 100x worse than Google, and Google's 100x worse than humans, then we're 10,000x from where we need to be. Um, but no, Sounds like a ways. It's a ways. It's a ways. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a process. Mm. Um, the... What was I thinking? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the iterative process of self-driving cars. Um, we, we can come back to that. But um, I think it sounds like in your mind there are a lot of misconceptions about self-driving technology and maybe even when it will arrive or what it will look like when it arrives. Do you want to talk about a couple of those? Sure. I mean, I think it's going to be a very gradual process. I don't think there's going to be sharp discontinuities. Any company who is like, we're not going to ship anything until it's perfect level four, you're never going to ship anything. Right. The only way I see to get there is through this gradual, oh, well, I, I remember, what winning self-driving cars looks like. It means two things. One, building a superhuman driving agent, and two, getting it rolled out into more cars than anyone else. Mm. Right. So right now Tesla is by far the leader in this. Tesla maybe has 40,000 Model S's with autopilot. It's a good number. Something like that, yeah. All right. So we got a, <laughs> we got a ways to go there, too. We're about... um. Let's see. So we, uh, I've said fifty to one hundred of these out there. So we're about a thousand x off from that. You know, we got. It's not bad. We, we got we got a ways to go, but um, we have potentially a much bigger market because our stuff is much cheaper and much easier to produce. And it can be thrown onto legacy stuff, right? Yeah. You don't need a Tesla. Yeah. This our hardware. I mean, this is okay. This is obviously the prototype. You're not going to be selling three D printed cases to the soccer moms, but. Even our hardware in its final form looks a lot more like a smartphone than a car. I was going to say, for yeah. listeners, that looks basically like an iPhone Plus yeah. in terms of its size. Yeah. Um, our tech looks a lot more like a smartphone than a car. So you can look at these two industries. Um, the car industry goes about five year, have about, has about a five-year product development cycle. The smartphone industry has about a one-year product development cycle. Making smartphones is a lot easier and cheaper than making cars. So we're not Tesla. We're not making cars. We're making smartphones. I mean, they're not exactly the smartphone you carry around in your pocket. It's kind of like a dedicated smartphone for your car. Drives your car, navigates. We'll throw Spotify on there, too. Not Pandora or Slacker Radio. We'll throw on the you know the stuff people actually use, right? Right. It runs Android. Yeah. Um, is the thought also with making it very smartphone-like that that might help with cons- uh, just consumer adoption and user experience? It's something that's familiar? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you have a problem today. Fatalities went up uh, this year uh, in, in, in cars, and people largely think it's because of distraction from the phones, right? Uh, and the truth is, what are people doing on their phones? Some people are texting, but some people are just using nav because no one's using the built-in nav to the car. What if we had a car with good built-in nav? There's companies trying to do this like Navity, 
which builds this like little. But again, it's it's too. It's you, they're asking too much of the user for too little given back. If we give you navigation, music, ADOS, and then eventually self-driving, the uh, the the you know the benefit to the user is a lot higher. So before we recovered where we were going, we were talking a little bit about misconceptions. Yeah. Um, what do you see out there that you know the average person who doesn't understand the tech space all that well might think about self-driving cars? It's kind of this myth status with the technology se segment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I'm baffled by by some of the stuff. It seems like the more I, I get into this and the more I learn about this, the less I'm capable of predicting what people will like believe and not believe. And it just seems like these these marketing departments from these automakers are so ridiculously out of touch with the technology but in some weird way in touch with the people. Which just doesn't like, it doesn't make sense. You know, Ford can promise, oh, we're going to have level four self-driving by 2021. And who was in that meeting where you decided that? Well, you had the executives and the uh, the, the media people and the uh, lawyers. Wait, wait, okay. Are you guys going to build it? Oh, no, 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 we do media. Are you guys going to build it? No, 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 we don't build anything. We actually stop you from building things. We're lawyers. Executives, <laughs> we sure shit ain't going to build it. Um, right? And that's how it works. No engineers, no developers. No, no engineers, no developers, right? And then Ford goes and buys this, like, Argo.ai for a billion dollars. Uh, uh, you know, they go to Argo.ai. You guys going to build us? Uh, we promised the people, level four by 2021. Can you do it? Uh, sure. Yeah. A billion dollars, you said? Yeah, yeah, we can do Yeah, give us, give us the billion dollars. Right? Yes. Yeah, kind of what you are. And I think we see a lot of headlines, too, talking about, when this type of technology will be mainstream and will be something that's in everyone's driveways. Um, do you have any personal thoughts on what those estimates look like? Stop thinking about level four. Start thinking about level two. If you want, remember, level two and level four are the same thing. It's just a question of quality and insurance, right? So when will this be in your car? Well, as soon as you go to our website and build it. <laughs> You can put this in your car. People are working on ports to other cars. The Chevy Bolt, the Tesla Model S, Toyota, they're all being ported to right now. All of Toyota, all of 2017 Toyota should support this. Wow. Um, if if th there's like a team working on it now, and it's 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 awesome, and this is the real benefit to open source, right? This is this is this is the revolution that's gonna that's gonna sweep cars, right? Once you have something that's 10x better than what the manufacturers are providing, if you want to sell something that's 2x better, you need sales and marketing and business development. 10x better sells itself. And we got, we, got, we got some improvements that we can make to this that are just such low-hanging fruit. We could ship out something that already with this, you put this in your car, you get on 101 in Mountain View, you press the button, it'll drive you all the way back to San Francisco. Touch on nothing. Well, actually, we have a six-minute timeout for safety. We want to make sure the user's always paying attention. So after six minutes, this bar counts down, and you just have to touch the wheel. But aside from that, it'll drive you all the way back to San Francisco. Sounds like you've done that. Yeah, of course, multiple times. Um, I, I, drive, I drive with this a lot. It's, 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 it's really a good experience. Um, and we're going to, it's still very much alpha stuff right now, but once we get middle of the year, end of the year, and we start to feel really good about like when we know it's going to work for this stretch of the road, we're not sure about this stretch, we know it doesn't work for this stretch, right? We're working on like classifying this all internally. Um, we're going to start, you know, letting more press drive, letting more people drive, really experience this. Yeah. It's cool. I think that's the easiest way to make it accessible and also not make it scary right it's to put it in people's hands or put them in the seat while it's working yeah that's the other thing too like people are so 
I don't know. And I have, I have like very little like sort of sympathy for like people who, oh my God, they're, they're, they're hacking the cars and the cars are going to, bro, you, like, like, then you actually use one of these. Um, so one of the things that, one of our, our safety uh, guarantees is that it can never put much torque on the steering wheel. So it can never like jerk the steering wheel, basically. The fastest it can turn the steering wheel it looks a lot like this, right? Nice, nice gradual. Nice gradual. It's, it's, it's less force than, it's about the amount of force you can put on with your pinky, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just put your hand, grab out and reach, grab the wheel. It's never going to, like, fight you substantially. Imagine a little kid pushing with his pinky. That's all it is, right? I know this is fine to drive on highways and even a lot of roads. You don't need much torque on the steering wheel. Smooth driving is safe driving. Um, when people actually get behind the wheel and use that, they're like, wow. Okay, this is like kind of much less scary than I thought it was, right? Um, the other bad case is when the car breaks when you don't want it to. This is somewhere where our system differs from everyone else's. We disengage when you hit either the brakes or the gas. I believe no other system disengages when you hit the gas. Um, because if the car's breaking and you don't want it to, that's the human's first instinct, hit the gas. Right, so we disengage on gas. Makes sense. It's, it's very intuitive. What are some of the big challenges that you guys are running into right now with the technology and having it be kind of fully road ready? Well, I mean, we have two themes this year. Our themes are growth and quality. We're not really trying to, we're not building anything new. We're making what we have better and getting more people to use it. Uh, so, yeah, we're building infrastructure right now, really. I mean, you know, there's all, so much infrastructure on the back end that needs to support a network of self-driving cars. And that will really push a lot of learnings, right? Because you will have all these people out there getting road miles for you guys. That was one of the things that made, uh, that gave Google such a huge advantage was the road miles and, and all the data from that. Google has on. about 2 million. We just passed a million. We're on track to pass Google so much in a couple months. That's excellent. Right? I mean, the only one we won't pass is Tesla because their network's bigger than ours, right? Right. See, the network, you can think of the network like the linear, right? Our network kind of grows linearly, so your data grows exponentially, right? Yes. Because you're, you're um, you know, just take the, take the integral. Uh, the, yeah, and Google's network doesn't really grow because they have to buy all the cars. Same thing for, like, Cruise's network, right? It's, it's like our network and Tesla's network where you get this linear growth and then you get this exponential growth of data. I think more recently we've seen self-driving car efforts fragment a little bit and so we have the consumer side that a lot of people are working on and that's where i think a lot of the original work was and now we're seeing kind of more the industrial and infrastructure side with um you know kind of like long-haul trucking being a focus um any differences there or anything that you guys do on that side not that different so there's a walk well, okay the, the big difference between uh trucks and uh cars is trucks mostly drive on highways highway driving is easier than city driving and the cost equation is different if you want to sell something to consumers in a car your target price point's got to be around like a thousand dollars you can go a little bit more than a thousand maybe two or three thousand but you can't go ten thousand you certainly can't go a hundred thousand right google's tech costs a hundred fifty thousand dollars what 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 you're gonna buy you're gonna buy a Prius for thirty grand and then put a hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of self driving it makes no sense. Maybe a Bugatti, but who's buying a self driving Bugatti in the first place, right? Buying yeah, you're, a Bugatti, you're buying that for a performance car. Exactly. You're, not, you're, not, you're not buying the Bugatti to put on all these little sensors, right? Um, so if you want to target consumer, you gotta target like thousands of dollars, right? If you're targeting trucking, you don't have to do this. Um, adding a hundred thousand dollars worth of sensors to a truck is totally reasonable, right? You're paying your truck driver, say, fifty thousand dollars a year. The tech pays for itself in two years, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's a lot easier for a business to decide, oh, we're going to depreciate this out over a couple yeah. of years. Consumers don't have that same yes, calculus exactly. when they're doing costs. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, that's the big difference. So, anyone who's talking about level four in cities is, there's no way that's even close until you see level four in highways for trucks. Because trucks have both an easier problem and much more cost margin to play with. Uh, so you'll see it. I mean, there's like Auto. There's a new one. Varden Labs changed their name to Embark. I like those guys. Yeah, they they seem they seem like winners, right? They seem like they've thought out the space well, and I think we'll see good things from them. Are there any other folks in the space that you're watching or you're jealous of, and you see like, man, they really nailed that? Um, I mean, let's see. Who do I think? I think like Uber's got a lot going for them. Oh, how much Uber gets that gets 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 just torn apart in the media. Those guys are winners too, man. Like they're gonna. Well, uh, the way the way Travis describes it is is he's like, look, self-driving cars are our future. The first we better either be in first or tied for first or Uber's over. I love that refreshing honesty from a CEO. You know what I mean? You'd never hear that from like Waymo or anything. You'd never hear that from oh, like some of the other. You never hear that from the the, the car manufacturers, right? Um, they're just they're just so you know you got that honesty, right? And they are they are trying hard. Um, they're they're hungry. When it's key to survival, they kind of yeah. have to be, right? And they're, they're they're hungry, right? As opposed to like you know Google, it's not key to their survival. Google makes money off ads. I like Google a lot as a company, but like their self driving stuff, the tech is good, but there's no there's no hustle there. Uh, and everyone feels it, and that's why all their people left. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably saw that a little bit with the brain drain, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they lost several key members of the self-driving car project who wants there. To be, who wants to be on a team where they're not, they're not hustling, they don't feel like they're going to win, and come work for Kamei, we're going <laughs> to win, we hustle. Uh, <laughs> I know, you got, you got, you got them. Um, as far as startups go, yeah, like I said, uh, Varden Labs and Bark, like, they have, you know, their, their, their feet on the ground. The stuff they're saying is like, yeah. That's, Ro rooted that, in reality? It's rooted in reality versus some of these, like, you know, cruise automation and drive.ai, Zooks, a little less rooted in reality. <laughs> um, do you have anything that people can look for that maybe they should expect for 2017? Any, anything major to kind of watch for? Um, from us or from the industry in general? Broadly or specific um, to you guys. Well, so we're announcing the Kamei Panda. These are, these are pandas. Um, there, it's just a very flexible car interface. Um, you can get them by downloading our app and earning comma points. And then on April 1st, uh, the top 20 comma point holders of all time and of the week will get free pandas in their mailbox. Um, and this is going to give you access to all of these sensors you didn't even know your car had. And can you describe what you're holding? Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's basically an uh, OBD2 dongle. Can you describe for someone that doesn't understand tech? There's a plug in every car after 1996. It's a diagnostic port, and it lets you get access to all of this data that you didn't know your car had. So we're, this is, and this is, is a, so it's a, it's a little black port. It's uh, usually on the left side of your steering wheel underneath. Um, this has both a USB port, which right now will charge your phone, and it also has Wi-Fi to connect to your phone to stream all that data back. So there's apps. This will work already with the apps that support these things, like Torque. Um, there's like it's like an alternate dashboard kind of for your phone. Hmm. You know, it's simple stuff. Everyone's you gotta you gotta you gotta start simply. But uh, huh. um, 
anything else before I let you go? I mean, this has been awesome. It's been really cool sitting down with you. You are extremely candid, and it's great to talk to someone that uh, calls it like they see it. Yeah, so uh, keep an eye out for, for what you can buy. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye on what ships. Uh, Tesla's obviously shipped some stuff. Um, you're going to start to see pilot programs of uh, ride-sharing uh, self-driving tech. Um, pay attention to who's in the driver's seat. Pay attention to if there's a person in the driver's seat or not. I promise you there'll be a person in the driver's seat. And realize that with that person in the driver's seat, their tech is not level four, it's level two. Right? So no matter how many times they say level four in their press release, do you have a driver in the car? Yes. Does the driver have to pay attention at all times? Yes. Okay, you're level two, right? So just just, just realize that even though they say that, they're liars. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think that's the biggest. Um, Do you have a time frame that you say, okay, level four is pretty reasonable to hit by? Well, so Google's been trying this for 10 years, and they don't have level four tech. They're the closest. But they're still 100x away from people. They might tell you 10x, but there's still a big gap that they're going to have to close. It's unclear if this gap can be closed with classical robotics methods, kind of the way they're doing like an old school planner. Uh, you may need to use sort of deep learning planners. The research for deep learning planners, I talked about this at AI by the Bay, doesn't quite exist yet. So we're waiting kind of for this research breakthrough to be made. Wait until you see AI. So remember when AI solved Atari games two years ago? It was a big deep mind. Yeah. Wait till you see them start to solve games like Doom or GTA. Once AI has solved those games with little pre-programming, then self-driving cars will happen. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. want to thank George Hotz for coming on and talking with us. As always, if you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, feel free to shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. I hope you enjoyed South by Southwest week. I know Simon and I had a lot of fun hopping on the show and talking to you guys, giving you a little update on what was going on here. Um, if you have any follow-ups, please reach out. Um, I know we talked about a lot of kind of nascent spaces here, and I'm sure there's a lot of content that um, might have piqued your interest and you want to hear more about. We're happy to do follow-up episodes as well. Uh, as always, if you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes, or if you go to fool.com slash podcast, you can catch the entire family of Fool shows. People on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any of the stocks we talk about. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks for listening, and Fool on.